So it is yeah. who you bring in the door and how you have them interact with the other leaders and the other team members and how they all kind of reinforce each other. And it's not like hiring by consensus, but it is ensuring culture fit. Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where founders and business leaders talk about how they built a company culture that is so incredible, their employees brag about it. Our show aims to inspire you as you build a Bragworthy culture of your own. Culture building is philosophical and practical, and you'll find both discussed here. Grab a pen and a notebook. We're about to drop some knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us. Here's your host, Jordan Peace. Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is your host, Jordan Peace, and today we're with CJ Prisbel, co-founder and chief strategy officer of Snapsheet. CJ, how you doing today? I'm doing very well, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Excited to talk to you about how you built the company, how you built the culture and so forth. But let's start off and just maybe tell us a little bit about Snapsheet for those that don't know. Kind of why did you start it in the first place and why do you think it's been successful? Yeah, great. So Snapsheet is a claim processing technology. So we have a transactional model where insurance carriers can use our platform and we can kind of help with some of the resource augmentation and ensure kind of like the industry leading metrics for appraisals and inspections. And we also provide a SaaS subscription model for just the software itself. So insurance carriers can actually just utilize the software and, you know, build it up within their own teams and inside of their own four walls. So, and that, that's kind of been the vision the whole time. So I came on to Snapsheet. Uh, my co-founder, Brad, started Body Shop Bids back in 2010. And then I came on as a VP of strategy, then became the CFO, then the co-founder and president of Snapsheet, and then now running strategy okay. as Snapsheet. So it's been a long journey. So the very beginning was Brad had gotten into a car accident and, and got multiple bids from Body Shops and was like, wow, there's got to be a better way to do this. So that was uh-huh. thus Body Shop Bids was born. But as we got into it, we realized that this was 2011, 2012. There was not much technology actually for insurance claims. And most of the body repair work was being done and paid for by insurance companies. So we kind of looked at ways that we could augment that market. And that's how we ended up coming up with Snapsheet and starting to provide claim solutions for the insurance industry. And which is kind of interesting because back in 2012, 13, when this really started kicking off, there really wasn't much out there. There wasn't insure tech, wasn't really a sector yet. So we've kind of been at the forefront of seeing this great evolution and revolution within insure tech, which has been a, you know, it's just a great area to see grow and it's been fun to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. I, we're a bit adjacent to insure tech at Fringe and, you know, the difference I've seen even in the past like few years of just money being poured into this space from the VC yep. side of things is obviously a very hot, very important market and something I wish it, must have needed. I wish it was there when we started because yeah. <laughs> it was a lot harder <laughs> yeah. back then. But it's good to see the innovation happening. happening. Yeah. And we've been kind of lucky. We're very lucky. Maybe had some good foresight, one would say. But like, we've been virtual from day one, right? So our whole model has always been a virtual first company. So we mm-hmm. had, you know, appraisers that were you know, our technology enabled them to work from home. Now we enable insurance carriers across the whole world to leverage the same type of 
technology infrastructure. Wow. And, you know, post COVID and everything, the world has just changed. And we've been very fortunate that that had to be part of our DNA of our culture right. from the start as well, was virtual remote work, right? And just so happens that now everybody's trying to kind of catch up to that. And we feel like we've been in a good spot the whole time. Yeah. Tell me about that. It's a great topic to bring up. So you started there, whereas 90 plus percent of companies are have been trying to figure out how to go remote and then are we doing hybrid are we going back no we're not going back we're going back home yeah. you know we're just jerking their employees around in a lot of cases whereas you've been stable in terms of building your culture that way so how has that been the last couple of years with everybody trying to lean into your model has that changed the way you go about recruiting? Has that sort of increased the amount of competitors for the folks that you really want? Or how's that impacted you? Yeah, it's had a couple of impacts. I mean, first is on the appraisal side, we've got a great formula there, right? And we've been able to, yeah. to bring on folks and transition, but it's powered by the technology, right? right. So it's actually uh, created a lot of pull from insurance carriers to utilize our technology as well. Because okay. now they're trying to manage their remote workforces. They start to see kind of the, the cracks in some of their infrastructure. And we're definitely mm. uh, racing to help supplement their needs. So that's been a, a cool. huge, a huge benefit. And then we also, I mean, we did change all, like our technology organization. We have quite a few okay. engineers and other folks in that org was always based in Chicago. And we actually had to transition that to a remote workforce. So that completely changed the field as far as recruiting, who you're competing mm. with, the tech right. salaries and certain things, right? And incentive packages and things. So, yeah. you know, while it's kind of interesting, while we had one side of the house, it was this was just business as usual. The other side of the house kind of had to, to transition to a new mm. model, which it had little fits and starts and some hiccups, but now we've blended the two capabilities together and it's going extremely well, bringing people on, bringing them up to speed getting them kind of indoctrinated into the culture and understanding yeah. what the culture means and motivating and helping people stay kind of engaged while they're remote. And right. things, you know, tools like Slack and certain stuff like that has really helped, I think, on the yeah. technology side. And then we try a lot to do a lot of virtual town halls, virtual meetings, social events, social events right. with people that are local to each other as much as we can. Cool. Oh, that's great. And although Slack was down a couple hours this morning, I noticed. <laughs> but I agree. It's a fantastic tool. Slack and Slack goes down, it causes all sorts of ripple effects. Oh, I know. Yeah, we, we were sending company-wide emails. We're like, oh, I thought this was dead, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Who's doing that anymore? Uh, that's funny. Well, we're kind of heading in this direction, so I want to ask you a little bit of a long-winded question around this concept that I think is becoming more and more, this term is becoming more and more commonplace, and that's employer brand, right? And for anybody that's listening that doesn't know what I mean, like different than consumer brand, which is what your customers, your prospective customers think about you and say about you, and you got a lot of influence on that through your marketing and so forth. But employer brand is more what your past employees, current employees, or potential employees think and say about you, not what you say about you as an employer. So just curious if you were to, not that you could pick it, because it's really, like I said, it's centric around what others say, but if you could design the glass door review, right, from every employee that is with you or was with you, like, what would you want them to say about Snapsheet when it comes to your culture, how they're treated, values, just what's the, kind of that perfect post that you love to read? Yeah, I mean, we have a core set of values called the Brads, and we try to live by those daily. And I mean, I would hope, I think the ideal post would be that we have strong values, we live our values, everyone kind of exudes them 
and that everybody wants their other colleagues in the industry to be a part of this with them. And we mm-hmm. take that a lot of pride in that we do have a strong, very strong recruitment force comes from referrals from current and former employees. So, you know, and as things start up, people come, people go, more people are coming than going. Yeah. But the goal is and would be to just have everybody who's passed through the doors, like feel like they were mm-hmm. part of the family, that they grew as part of the experience and that they would want other people to experience, you know, everything that Snapsheet has to offer. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a high compliment if former employees are referring people in to your business, right? I mean, that says, hey, they had a different direction to go. They had some path that they wanted to follow, but they left on such good terms that they're telling their friends to go to their former. I mean, that's awesome if that's happening. Absolutely. And that's yeah. part of what we try to do is we're helping grow or I guess train or helping identify new leaders, let's say, in right. a new area that did yeah. not exist years ago that we helped right. define the market. I mean, it was 0%. We'd go to insurance carriers and be like, you know, you need to do virtual claims. And they go, what is that? We have people. Huh? <laughs> now it's like 20, 25% of the market is virtual. So people understand it. Wow. So we kind of feel like, We've helped train some of these leaders and it's always sad to see people go, but it's been really interesting to see where people have gone they haven't taken lateral moves. They've all gone and moved on to other really influential parts of the value chain and insurance and insure tech, and even some slightly outside of the industry. And that's kind of cool to see them do that. I think that would help explain why they would continue to refer their friends because it's a stepping stone into this new emerging area that's, uh, you know, that's here to stay. Yeah, no, I love that. Realistically, there's only but so many leadership roles internally. And so people are going to go find them elsewhere. But to leave well and to speak well of you beyond, I mean, that's huge. But we also promoted, I think, last year, like 100 managers or something. Wow. Too, right? So like we are, we promote from within. Um, yeah, you know, sure. No doubt, no doubt about that. We love to bring people in and bring them up. And they're, we continue to grow so fast that there are um, substantial. Yeah. So I think it's that's more, nice. Like I said, more coming yeah. than, than going, hopefully. Yeah, it's nice when you're growing because you don't feel yeah, the yeah. weight of that, oh, there's not enough spots, you know, exactly. at, nearly as much. But that's awesome. What do you remember about back when you started? I imagine the company was much smaller, tiny, perhaps. Like, What was it like to transition from this co-founders and maybe a couple of initial folks to like, okay, it's go time. We're going to expand the team. Like my recollection personally is your culture just sort of was what it was. It sort of just happened to you. But then when you grow and to build a team, they need to be communicated with, Hey, Hey, here are our values. This is where we're headed. This right. It's not as intrinsic and just known in this sort of hive mind of founders, right? Co-founders. So what was that experience like of just kind of going from there to beginning to grow? No, that's a great question. And it always catches you off guard, even when you're planning for it, you know, it just seems like it's just, it's not there until it's there. Mm. And we always tried from the beginning to maintain a positive culture and use people from within to help foster the culture, right? And as we were scaling up the organization, we created these things called centers of excellence, which we've outgrown those now, but that was a really good tool when we were, let's say, going from like the 10 people to the hundred people, maybe the the 70 people, where- we had kind of leaders in these little like separate circles of excellence that would have a topic that they would each own and they would bring that information to management and to the product mm. team. Because basically the team was building the product up, the team was building the culture up together. So we kind of let the company feed off of itself. Then we codified the main outputs of that and then really brought in strong people team to help build up and replicate 
that culture, kind of like listening to what organically came up while we tried to shepherd it where we want to go and then let that foster right. from there. So it was a, it's been a couple of steps to yeah. grow as you get bigger than you need lots of really formal structure behind, yeah. behind everything and lots of formal communication plans. And I think for a lot of founders, that can be counterintuitive right. and almost like a little bit complicated because you're used mm-hmm. to in our case, like going out and defining what the market was and like selling the first customers and really being the visionary about everything. But right. the vision and the execution intersecting can be just a little different, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it's I think it's hard for a lot of founders to kind of be able to straddle both sides of that and mm. then focus enough internal on the culture and the pulse of the organization. I feel like we've ended up doing a very good job with that as evidenced mm-hmm. by our size and scale in the remote world, right? Yeah, I like the word shepherd that you use. I feel that where it's like, now this is my team to shepherd and it's their company to run. Yes. And that transition is hard. Like your all your control freak tendencies come out, all <laughs> of your fears come out, all of your like, did I hire the right people? Are they gonna, what if I promote them and then they leave and then I gotta take on that role and you know, again. Yeah. What an interesting season to do that. And I think too, as entrepreneurs, sometimes it's difficult to kind of submit yourself to this idea that I need to codify things. I need to think about, you know, these ugly words like best practices and so forth that you're just like, oh, I don't want to do things like everybody else does. But there's actually a lot of useful information out there to pull from as you scale to be successful with your team. That's kind of the secret yeah. sauce is being able to do that. I know a lot of it's legal requirements and certain things you have to do. Sure. But to be able yeah. to do that, but still maintain the aura of a unique culture that right. does put people first and does yeah. and continue to evolve and advance. And I think it's yeah. very, once you get the fundamentals underneath you, because as a founder, it's not like you're like, experts in HR and you know all no. the stuff that everything. So <laughs> yeah, once no. you kind of figure that out, then you can build a little more often, which which I think will be exciting actually in this new wave of insure techs and the new crops that come up because right. we're seeing a whole group of folks that have grown organization. And now we're going to be doing it for the second and the third time. And I think it's just like a lot of those growing pains will have yeah. been solved. And I think we're still going to see, even though a lot, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of investment has gone into space. I think we're still going to see an acceleration of innovation because the infrastructure is kind of there and you can go repeat it. That's very exciting as well to see the organization Mm. grow and like the whole industry grow in that way. Yeah, definitely. How big is the company now people-wise? We, I think, are a little under 500 people now. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you've mentioned that a couple of times. You must be a big part of what you're focused on. But I mean, a company of this call it 500 people, is this something that and I'm mostly asking this literally for my own benefit, (laughs) but I think our listeners will learn something too. But how do you ensure that everyone feels seen and heard and appreciated like they did when you were 20 people, 50 people? How do you in the C-suite communicate that you actually care and you're not just sitting in your executive suite, aka your daughter's nursery, right? <laughs> like yeah. Just counting the money. <laughs> like, how are you not the Wizard of Oz when there's 500 people, but you're a real person that actually cares? Yeah, absolutely. Look, that's a hard balance as well. I mean, it becomes more important for, I believe, for employees to have team members to have influence and influencers that are more like that are in their direct sphere, right, of regular interaction. That's the support to build, right? So like what we can do at the top is exude the core values, Mm -hmm. bring that down to the man, like instill that to the management team, let them instill that to their management team. We ensure the checks and balances are there as far as like setting the strategic vision of that and then setting the way 
way to review it and constantly monitor and maintain right. it. And then ensuring that like that permeates through the whole organization to where mm. somebody who's a brand new hire who might be on the front lines has, uh, you know, a team lead and then a manager and then a director and that they feel they have to vary lots of acts up and down yeah. there. We have an open door policy. They can email us, call us, Gchat, Slack. However, they want to get a hold of us. All of our information is out there in public and yeah. we will take input and have conversations. But I think a big right. part of it is just building up that infrastructure yeah. to where if someone's speaking with a frontline manager, they know that they're speaking with the same conviction that we would have in, in the C-suite. And then we try to be very transparent with what we're doing. We have regular town halls, regular publications that we send out to try yeah. to be transparent of what we're doing. Like we're not just sitting around my daughter's nursery, you know, the money. back and forth in the chair, but like yeah. we're on the road, we're drumming up business. We're continuing right. to like make the vision happen. Last year, a big fundraise. There's certain components that we have to do to make sure that the business continues yeah. to thrive and survive. And I think everyone kind of like understands the roles there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a fantastic answer. And and I think that last piece, especially, is probably really useful to me personally, just letting people know what I'm doing. You know, like what are all, I mean, we have five founders are really abnormal, but what are we all even doing with our time? Right. So, yeah, that's awesome. I want to transition a little bit. And of course, we've taken more time than I intended, but that always happens. I talk about just a couple of trends that, you know, right now, and one of which, of course, is the great resignation. Everybody's kind of tired of hearing that maybe at this point, but it's still a lot of folks writing about it. I'm just curious from the standpoint of a leader of a company, somebody that's actually doing involved in a lot of hiring and so forth and in growing quickly. What do you think's really behind, you don't tell me solutions, but what do you think's behind this mass exodus or this reshuffling or like, and maybe not your company, but why are so many people leaving their company the minute COVID starts to feel a little bit more livable, stabilized, whatever word you want to use? What's that about? It's hard to say exactly what's going on. And I guess yes. I can maybe just try to speak in the insurance industry because that's what we know best. Yeah, but sure. We have seen the, I'll use the term, the great resignation. I mean, it's yeah. had an impact to a lot of our clients because they did have people that were retirement eligible. They had people that just kind of shifted priorities. I mean, right. everyone got a lot of internal inspection on their lives through COVID. Mm -hmm. We all, a lot of time to reflect. And I think that really did impact people and their mentalities and kind of where they choose to prioritize their time, where they can do with their skill sets, opened up a lot of things. So who's to say the one specific thing that's caused in every industry, certain right. migrations to happen, but we are yeah. seeing it. We're seeing it within the insurance carriers and we're seeing, yeah. it's almost like the pipeline's not filling fast enough, right? Mm -hmm. So the water's coming out of the bathtub, the spigot's not on hard enough. So what, what that's happening though, right. and which is kind of a little bit of a benefit to companies like ours is the larger corporations are being forced to work more closely with third-party partners and right. people like that provide technology that help them scale or people that use mm. technology to scale themselves. Right. And so we're kind of at a, and I imagine you'll see a lot more companies like ours that start to thrive because if carriers need to variableize costs, if they can't re like rehire the talent, it's right. not like the work goes away. So companies right. like ours are absolutely prime in the crosshairs to help take on the burden. And then also then to provide the technology, not just the technology, but also the best practices with our implementation teams right. of how to leverage the new technology in order to gain more efficiency so that you can maintain the strong growth that the industry is seeing, even if you're not going to be able to fill your pipeline of people as quickly as you'd like. Yeah, that's a great point. The work's not going away. <laughs> so. Right. That's interesting. So that, I guess that introspection piece is something that, you know, I would just, I feel like I could write a hundred pages on that, you know, just in my own personal life, but also just observing how much of that has happened when people really, and a lot of us have been through some 
tough emotional things. I mean, obviously mental health is a crisis around mental health and so forth. And thankfully and hopefully the, some stigmas are changing on that front. But yeah, I mean, I guess, and I know I'm asking you to give me an educated guess here, but in that introspection, what conclusion around work do you think that people are coming to? Is it more about, hey, I'm going to prioritize remote work or hybrid work? Is it, hey, I, I want to go to a place where I really feel appreciated and taken care of? What are you hearing in terms of just folks are going through this period of introspection and coming out and saying, I want X that might help employers give them that thing that they're looking for? Yeah, I mean, that's hard to say. I can just say like some of the longtime employees that we've had that have transitioned have just gone to totally different industries and totally different lines of work. And I think people had time to think about what they really do want to do or what how they find their value. And I would imagine it happened with me. I'm not sure if it happens to a lot of people. Like, I spent a lot more time with family than I had yeah. years. Right? I mean, I, I, we went and lived with my parents for a little while. Got stuck in the snowmageddon down in Missouri, but that's oh gosh. <laughs> but I think it's just you get a little bit of a different perspective on things. Yeah. Now I think also I don't know what the tipping point of this was as well, but like anyone who was getting big is getting bigger, it seems. And like they like so the competition for hiring is huge. Mm. I mean, we're seeing salaries and wage inflation, and we're seeing scarcity of employees. Right. So even people just shifting around and realizing they can maybe retrain or whatever, then the other mm. people that have like substantially higher compensation, enticing them to come over and right. realizing that they need to be able to do training or, or what have you to bring people up to speed. I think we're starting to see all of that come together here. Yeah. Who's to say what's the main catalyst, but there's a lot at play right now, let's say. Yeah, there's a lot. I think the other thing that I'm hearing a lot about, reading a lot about is just around the future of work, new ideas, new concepts coming to bear. Four-day work weeks, one of those. Unlimited PTO has been around for a while and, and has its shortcomings. Mental health being really prioritized, flexible hours, work from anywhere, like so many of these new trends and ideas, which I think COVID informs quite a bit, but also just millennials and Gen Zs kind of taking over the workforce informs a lot of that too. But for Snapsheet, have you guys made any or sort of are planning on making any wholesale changes to as a result of any of these trends, whether it's the four-day work week or your PTO policies or just new perks you're offering? What sort of change over the last couple of years for you? Well, like I mentioned before, we've been doing this for like a long time. Right, so I right. think we kind of just kept business as usual. We had a lot of those perks we had. I think the only thing that might be a little different moving forward with us is we always did like in certain areas where we had geographic kind of concentration of people. We'd have people yeah. get up and meet. People still do like to meet in person when they can. Right? Yeah, they do. So we're, we've yeah. actually shifted like some of our budget. Like there's not as much business travel anymore, right? You right. Know, there's a lot of this. So like we shifted a little bit to where you can do more corporate events together as a team. Mm. Like get together and, and meet up somewhere and, and work for a few days together somewhere and kind of get, yeah. you know, get together that way. So I think personally, I think that'll end up being more of a trend. I mean, I think there's no doubt remote is here to stay and our, all of our practices are built around that. But I definitely think we're going to try to find ways to get people together more. Because that helps you build the teamwork. It helps you build the camaraderie. Yeah, totally. And uh, like, frankly, with our management team, like nothing beats us all getting together and getting in a whiteboard room and whiteboarding thoughts out. I mean, yes. it's kind of like we can do it on a Miro board or do it, you know, remotely. Yeah. But like when you're all just kind of in there, you know, giant, just brainstorming and writing stuff down, it's uh, nothing mm -hmm. beats that in my opinion. But I love to whiteboard, so. Yeah, man, I am right there with you on the whiteboard. That's the thing I'm missing most. And Miro is a great tool, I agree, but it's just nothing like being in that room because when you're 
ideating, that's kind of what happens. You don't have a totally formed thought all the time. You just have like a phrase and you're like, there's something here. And then another person talks and they right. And that is a beautiful thing that you got to prioritize. You got to figure that out. So, I mean, good for you. I love that it goes all the way back to the budget for you. You're like, hey, we're saving money on a lot of business travel and so forth that we don't need to do anymore. Let's reallocate it into making sure our people get that human interaction. They get to know each other on a personal level and that they can, especially for your executive team, get together and be creative in the ways that you're best at being creative, which is what the company needs you to do. That's awesome, man. I feel like we're living a similar existence right now, even down to the software that we're using to solve problems. Let's come up to Chicago and we'll whiteboard together. Yeah, man, that'd be all about it. Well, I actually really like Chicago for what it's worth. Just of all the towns that I visit on different conferences and so forth, great place. Wanted to wrap up our time, just give you an opportunity to share a little advice. So a lot of companies have kind of lost significant portion of the workforce, as we talked about in the last year. Many are struggling to recoup. You guys, on the other hand, although people do transition for good reasons, you're attracting a lot of talent. You're growing really quickly. And I just love if you could share some advice around, here's why you think your company's attractive and why you're attracting people well and recruiting well. And then what, if any of that can be taken away and applied elsewhere? Or is it all just kind of culture? You know, like what's tangible there? Not that culture isn't. No, I mean, it, it does. Most of it comes down to culture, right? It's treating people yeah. with respect and it's kind of celebrating each individual for what they bring to the table, whether right. they're in your organization or not, right? I mean, right. just like having the right respect for people totally. and who they are as individuals is extremely important. And that kind of comes through when you're doing that. Now, technology is a double-edged sword. It does allow you to be very performance-focused. So you can mm-hmm. really track everything that everyone's doing all the time <laughs> yeah. with, the, with the platform. So, yeah. you know, I think that's just a, a new way of working and like the, kind of the new norm in the the world. But I would say try to strike that balance between optimal efficiency and mm. work-life balance and things. And right. I do think this shift to remote is really going to probably help that at the end of the day where people, when they're done at their shift at 4 p.m., they shut off and just jump in their swimming pool and don't have to sit in traffic and do things. That's going to make the world a, a slightly better place here. Yeah, totally agree. And then lastly, as a leader of an organization, I just love to hear, and here's your listener. So let's imagine your listener is starting a company or they're on a people team or building a people team, building a culture kind of from the ground up. What is the one thing you absolutely have to get right when it comes to building organization from a cultural standpoint? Like what can you just not afford to screw up at that in those early days as you're getting off the ground? I think it's your selection process in the early stages, right? So it is who you bring in the door and how you have them interact with the other leaders and the other team members and how they all kind of reinforce each other. And it's not that hiring by consensus, but it is ensuring culture fit. You can have two people that do the same job with two totally different cultures, which can be detrimental. So as you're scaling up an early stage venture, you need to overweight on the cultural component of it and make sure that you have the checks and balances to ensure that you're selecting the right people, putting them through the, you know, the right kind of on the job training, that you are building up the right type of folklore that you want to have mm. in the company. And then that you're feeding that back into your recruitment materials and back into the culture and then kind of have that flywheel happen. That's the most critical mm. thing you can do at, a, at an early stage venture because eventually that gets out of your hands, your company gets too big. And if you build that right kernel, it's going to build off of that. If it's a little askew and sort of shaking like a washing machine, 
that's like out of whack or something, right? It's right. just going to like stumble off across the floor and fall out the window or something, right? So <laughs> uh, you've really got to make sure it's a, a finely tuned machine there. And I think people can do the jobs with like the culture, the culture, the culture, the culture fit. That is so right. critically important. Right. Otherwise, what are you? Yeah, you're, you're not really a company. Yeah, just a product with people running the product. Right. That's awesome. I mean, that, that's so valuable. And I would just back you up and saying, if you're listening and you're a founder, what CJ just said was slow down and prioritize the people and the culture and the people team that you hire and getting the right hires in the beginning, even if they cost you more, even if they're a little harder to recruit or you got to humble yourself a little bit because you're a startup and you might have to beg them to come in, right? Yep. You know, but if you're a people leader, if you're in the HR space or you're, you know, that cultural leader, that employee experience person, realize how important you are. You can't believe the myth that you're just a cost center, right? And that you're not a vital part of the company's growth. I think more than ever, HR folks should be put 100%. on a pedestal as like, look what you're accomplishing. 100%. They help recruit. Yeah. They help sing the praises of the culture. They help maintain the culture when you bring people into the organization. Yeah. They help make sure that all the infrastructure is there and the paychecks get paid, right? I mean, it's just right. like everything hinges on that. So right. you're spot on there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, CJ, I really thoroughly enjoyed this. I think I'm going to try to make a trip up to Chicago anyway. So maybe yeah. we'll do a little whiteboarding or at least a little happy hour or something at some point. <laughs> we can write on our menus if paper menus become a thing again. <laughs> but Not in Chicago. That's yeah, not in Chicago. Not anytime soon anyway. Yeah. It's all QR codes. Well, yeah, just thanks for coming on the podcast and just really enjoyed it. You're natural at this. You must have done a lot of these or maybe you're just good. <laughs> I, just, I just talk a lot for a living. So. <laughs> Right. Jordan, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and speak with you here. And I really appreciate the opportunity to come on today. Absolutely. And thank everybody for listening. And we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us.